We now have breaking news. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, uh, person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. What is sisterhood? It's an important element of woman's empowerment. Black it is a bond that is formed between women that allows them to offer support and guidance to one another when women are able to share their experiences and support one another with strength and courage and without judgment. However, this bond is not always easy to come by, especially for black women who are often placed in scenarios that promote conflict within. They have a giant Society is full attitude. of harmful stereotypes that shape the way black women are seen in the world and damage our relationships with others and each other. In this mini-series, you will join me and Keisha as we welcome together an incredible group of women to tackle these stereotypes head-on and highlight the importance of authentic sisterhood for black women. Join us as we welcome Danny, the host of My Survivor Voice podcast, and Marlo, the woke therapist, to share their insights and experiences. Some good, some bad, but all unscripted. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Relationships Through the Looking Glass. This is our mini-series, Unscripted. Um, a lot of, a lot of uh, excitement around this mini-series. I'm excited. And but I'm even more excited to introduce who our panel guests are for this series. So I'm going to go around uh, the room and then we're going to kind of go into why we're doing this mini series and then the importance of it and then jump into the topic. So we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Keisha since she's the co-host of Through the Looking Glass. Go ahead and uh, say hi to the people. Well, hello, everyone. I, like uh, Michelle, is very excited um, about this mini-series we're fixing to jump into. Tell, tell, tell us about why you think it's important. Hey, I think it's important. It's one of those subjects that we need to constantly keep speaking on, especially when it comes down to women and how we are viewed, um, the different stereotypes. And I think it's just it's the time it's always been, but definitely now for us to address those things and process it and try to shine some light on it. So that's why I think it's important. Right. And Danielle, um, and when you have been with us multiple times and some serious hard hitting topics around trauma, around um, intimate partner violence, and, and the work that you're doing in that arena, it just speaks to my heart. And I, I love that you're doing it and support it 2,010%. But um, let me hush so you can tell everybody who you are, about your platform, and, and how you're making an impact in the lives of so many. Absolutely. Well, I'm Danny. I am the founder and president of R3 Memorial Foundation Incorporated, which is a nonprofit organization that provides supportive services to women and individuals, I'll say, experiencing domestic violence. Um, we provide everything from, you know, the typical toiletry bags and things like that to crisis transportation to help um, those survivors get away from their abusers. And then we also provide safety planning, just education on how to get away safely and leave quietly. 
Um, I'm also the host of My Survivor Voice, which is a podcast platform that um, allows individuals of color to have a voice um, and share their um, story of trauma to triumph in a sort in order to be able to let other people who look like us know that there is life after trauma and trauma is not who you are and it doesn't define you. So um, I actually am getting out of the podcast game soon because uh, my nonprofit is growing much quicker than I thought it would. And um, I have to turn my attention to that because that is where my heart lies, is seeing lives transformed and seeing people come out of abuse and live independently from it. So that's me in a nutshell. And that's that's amazing. But hopefully, even if you trans when you transition out, we can still pull you in for for uh, guest host spots and things of that nature, because oh, definitely. your voice definitely um, needs to be heard. And, and because Thank it's you. the voice for many, um, advocacy speaks near and dear to my heart, which uh, many of us already know. So thank you for what you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Oh, and Marlo. Talk hey. to us. <laughs> well, my name is Marlo. Um, most people know me as uh, the woke therapist. And uh, I'm an author. I'm a licensed therapist. I'm uh, a part-time YouTuber. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a YouTuber YouTuber. And I'm also the founder of um, Our Sanctuary, which is an online women's empowerment group. And um, I love humans. <laughs> and I love seeing them transform. <laughs> which is funny because we're both INFJs. and Totally. I can, I can take humans and I can... Look. It just do doses, doses. Small, yeah. small, yeah, small, just... small. Dose. Minute, minute, minute would be a good word. Yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> a powerful panel um, is what we have, and we're about to jump into some powerful topics. The first being the whole point of why I I really wanted to do a series like this. Uh, many well, not many months. A few months back on TikTok, there was a black girl train trend and the whole point was black women black creators supporting one another by following one another beautiful concept right no one's getting hurt nothing is going on that is um any shenanigans it's just black women supporting other black women but the backlash was ridiculous how many people were so upset how many videos were made and it wasn't even just people of other color black men black men were mad and i'm like am i missing something because i mean i do have moments where i'm a naive uh and and i don't catch things so i'm like am i missing something but i wasn't and i'm like you know what there needs to be a conversation about this why why so that's the purpose of unscripted people it's it's a time to have a conversation about topics that impact our community specific specifically black women in a way that we can really have an honest conversation where we're not following into the what people feel we should be saying so starting with that i'm just going to throw it out to you all are are you familiar with um that trend that was going on a couple months ago and then some of the backlash that we were getting from that? And then what what's your what's your opinion? Like what was that about? I found out uh it's it's interesting because I okay, first of all, let me 
let me caveat this by saying um I I'm not a big social media person I'm kind of one of those people that post and go right mm-hmm. so um I started TikTok during the pandemic but as I scrolled through it I realized this is not for my age range mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like this is too much so <laughs> So, of course, you know, I have uh, subscribers from my channel that are on uh, TikTok and they subscribe. So I had like 300 people or something. But I was like, oh, in order to go live, I need like a thousand. Right. And I was like, I'm never going to get to a thousand. But then it was um, a young lady that actually works for me who told me like, oh, my gosh, have you heard about the black girl follow train? And I was like, what is that? And she was, you know, giving me the whole premise of it. It's like, you know, Black women creators following each other. I was like, oh my gosh, that's dope. So I thought it was amazing. And I made a couple of TikToks about it because um, like I did it, like I made one little video, put the little hashtag and like I just started growing and uh, followers like instantly. So I think I hit like a thousand in probably like a couple of days. And it's just like the encouraging messages I was getting from other creators. That and I was part, like, oh my God, right. this is a thing like oh okay and we're like liking each other's stuff and everything and following each other so it it was a beautiful thing and I ended up getting a whole radio interview out of it (laughs) like it was a whole ordeal so um I was like thanking everyone because I was like dude like witnessing this and being a part of this was just like I don't even have words for it like I get like super like gassed every time I talk about it Because it's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed with all of the destruction that's on social media. Like seeing women who do not know each other, have no other vested interests come together in that way was beautiful. But as you said, (laughs) when you search the hashtag, I started seeing all of these other videos and I was like, whoa, 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 where is this anger coming from? And I mean, it was things I was seeing from, you know, women of other nationalities that uh, felt that it was um, excluding other people. You know what I'm saying? Like it was excluding other and it wasn't fair. And then, of course, I saw black men that are just chow, things I would not even want to repeat. So I was confused and perplexed by that. Because especially on TikTok, it's the fact that, you know, it's pretty much well known in media that a lot of black creators, period, whether they're male or female, don't really get a lot of uh, recognition for their content. Mm -hmm. So I was totally taken aback at that because I'm just like, this is a way that they're kind of like breaking the algorithm and sticking it to the man, if you will. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. I couldn't understand. I was like, where is this upset coming from? I I I was so perplexed by that. It's crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. like you said, it was beautiful and people were uplifting. They were responding. They were like, yeah, this is, no, I did not see one negative post from one black female to the other. Mm-mm. It was from everybody else. Like, why are you so mad? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of on the same tra- um, train, no pun intended. As <laughs> um. Same, that was my same thought process. I I'm a, I have made plenty of TikToks, but they usually stay in my drafts. I don't normally post them just because I'm like, my son has a TikTok. I'm not Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But <laughs> um, I did hop on the Black Girl Follow Train and just a lot like Marlo, my page started to grow because like in the beginning, my page was private. I had like about four followers. They were all family members. Mm-hmm. And then um, I made it public just for that. And, you know, I got like a couple hundred. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. 
Um, and like you said, the comments and everybody gassing me up, like you wearing that purple, yep, and, yep. You know, all <laughs> of that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, day. Um, but then as you scroll your for you page and you see uh a person, <laughs> a human, um, with this whole attitude, like, why is there why can't everybody hop on this trend? Why is this trend just for black women? Mm -hmm. Because we need this sisterhood. We need right. to know that there's somebody out there like me who understands me, understands my day in and my day out and gets where I'm coming from. And just that love makes us feel good. Are we not entitled to feel good? What's right. wrong with that? And why does it make you so angry that somebody wants to compliment me? Why does it make you so angry that somebody understands me? And to this day, I still don't understand it. I don't, honestly, I don't know that I care to understand it um, because I'm in this phase of my life where I feel like that's a you problem. You have mm -hmm. the problem with it, not me. Right. So, Absolutely. yeah, well, it's ridiculous. I am fairly new to TikTok. So, <laughs> but y'all are encouraging me to um, become a part of this movement. Um, I, I've probably been on TikTok now from, I don't know, maybe about three months or so. Mm -hmm. um, not many posts or anything. So I kind of forget it's there, believe it or not. So I am going to um, look into this because it sounds exciting to me Yes. Um, mm. and become a part. <laughs> I'm more baby Instagram tribe. and... <laughs> Facebook, but yeah, I'll and I do have kids too, and I guess that's another reason why I kind of shy away from it. But I won't jump on that. But I think the movement is excellent. It's definitely good, definitely good women empowerment. Mm -hmm. uh, what do y'all feel though about the anger that black men were throwing? What was that about? It, Insert it goes eye roll here. <laughs> but it's just like you said because I, I wrote it down because like I felt that in my spirit child are we not entitled to feel good right right you said it in question form but if we made that a statement you know what I'm saying like we're not it's like you're not entitled to feel good like we have an entire conspiracy going on here to try to get you guys to realize that you are the bottom of the totem pole, right? right. You are right. supposed to curse your existence and not like yourself because there's nothing to be liked. We got right. passports, right? Right, right. We're even living the country to get away from you. Right, because you're you're so horrible. And it's like the audacity of you to self-empower. Yeah, right. That's legit what it is. That's legit what it is. But I can't help but like, as much as I would like to say, like, uh, okay, they're tripping. I, maybe it's the therapist in me. But every facet of my being, like, wants to psychoanalyze it. It's like, I, I want to know the, the, the deeper root, the deeper implications. Aside from, because I feel on a societal level, um, we live in cancel culture. You know what I'm saying? So if, if something is ever not politically correct or all inclusive, it's it's a generation of people that are literally trying to find a problem with something. It's like even if you respond to something, the fact that you didn't respond in the proper tone, it's like you should have been more angry. You were not angry enough, you know, so you're canceled. You know what I'm saying? 
So I, I I feel deeper than that, like with it, it being a black woman to black female type of thing. I feel that's very valid in the sense of it's almost like, a, you know, you don't deserve nice things almost, mm-hmm. but it it begs that that little, you know, itch that makes you want to dig deeper to be like, but why though? Right. Um, right. You know what I mean? But why? And that's probably why why the miniseries has started because I do have those questions. Mm-hmm. And another question is how come we weren't able to transfer all that energy off social media into day-to-day life? Because mm. let me tell you, I'm gonna be hundred percent right. This is unscripted. When I hear about somebody in the workplace being um a bit challenging or uh going into the write-up office and things like that one of the first things i'm thinking oh god i hope it's not one of us mm. you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> like <laughs> i can't stand that that's my first thought but mm-hmm. it's like right. you're behaving you're like i bet you it's one of us mm. what is that about mm. and it does it tie into the avatars you know the sapphire the mammy the jezebel all of these personality descriptors that they give the black female and if you don't fit into one of those you're either forced into one or you're not really one of us right Mm -hmm. let's talk about that part (laughs) yeah definitely um same whenever i hear about something major hitting the news like that i do always think oh god i hope it's not one of (laughs) us and then even the part there's even a part of me that says I bet it's one of us. I bet it's you know, one. Like, yeah. I just know. <laughs> I just know it's one of us. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I think the reason behind that is because that's what society has conditioned us to expect out of us because of those stereotypes and because of those, um, you know, those black avatars. Right. That's that's what's been ingrained in us. That that is all that we are capable of mm-hmm. exactly. that's what we are supposed to give and right. so it's hard we kind of have to deprogram ourselves from that because mm-hmm. i can't i can remember all all my life being called oreo or you talk <laughs> like a white girl same and you're like same. what does talking like a white girl even mean or what do you expect me to shuck and jive like i don't understand right what you're mm-hmm. expecting from me because I'm just being who I am. And oh right. yeah, a, that's a black female. That's somebody yeah. who loves Damn. my heritage, but you're making me feel as if I don't belong. And a lot of those statements were coming from my own people. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so much so that you have to, as a, especially growing up in um, the Midwest, like you have to learn the art of code switching early on. Mm-hmm. And- I get it. Code switching can be useful sometimes, mm-hmm. but I just want to be me. Right. I just want to be who I am. I want to speak how I want to speak. Um, I think the best thing that ever happened to me was moving to the South. And I feel like I inherited a country accent, a Southern <laughs> accent. So people can now tell, but before I moved to the South, like I got, the, I never got the Oreo comment, but I would get like, why you talk white? Mm-hmm. That's the Midwest thing. Why you talk white? Uh, I just use correct English because I had really good teachers <laughs> and right. this, is, this is just me. I don't talk white. What is that? But um, so much so that 
I just began code switching. So I would get around, you know, people who look like me and I would implement the slang and um, change. I would even change my accent, like my tone of voice mm-hmm. until I got older and was like, you don't get whatever Danny. You Come get on, today. show us, it show is- us, show <laughs> us, Danny, show us. Code switch, show us. I want to see it. Hopefully I'm country now. Look, I don't got this Southern accent now, but like I would get around and be like real. Uh, I have, this is going to sound very horrible. Just <laughs> disclaimer here, insert disclaimer here. But um, I would get, I would dumb myself down with my English. I would not, I would, um, we was going Yep. Because that's what the people who were talking to me, that's how they spoke. So that's how I started speaking. And my mom would be like, you what? Right. <laughs> You're doing what? We're not doing that. You were. We were going. But, you know, just like changing my grammar, um, changing my tone. Like, this is how I talk normally. Mm-hmm. I would get the whole, uh-uh, girl, because, you know, that, mm-hmm. what? But now it's like, you're just going to get whatever you get out of me today because it takes too much it takes entirely too much work to try to mimic what Mm -hmm. I'm around just for you not to mention who I am and so that was before I I became okay with who I am though I'm sorry my experience has been a little different I was born up north but raised in the country in the deep south where I would be considered a geech so and it's bad. It can get and it's worse like when I get around my family and everybody. We don't say every word. So it, it can be considered as, oh my God, you're uneducated because you miss these words or you say it like this. So it's kind of a different experience for me. Um and I, I know we get stereotyped big time. You know, people they automatically assume, you know, oh gosh, you you don't speak proper English. Or, and you know, and it all ties back to culture. So it's not that you're uneducated. This is just the heritage. This is what it is in this area. And you just adjust to that. So that's a whole nother layer layer of being stereotyped. Mm-hmm. So. Dude, I, I resonate with Danny so much because it, in my personal experience, a lot of people don't know this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a NOLA girl. You know what I'm saying? I reps New Orleans all day, 1.5. You know what I'm saying? But anywho... But I uh, grew up in Dallas, Texas, before uh, my dad got a job offer in New Orleans. My parents, of course, are are from New Orleans, but um, I grew up in Dallas and we ended up moving back here. And when I was living in Dallas, I never had anyone ever tell me anything like, you know, you talk whiter, anything. I just it was me. It was my friends and it was life. But child, the second that I got to New Orleans, though, it was a whole (laughs) nother world. You understand a whole nother world. And that's when the Oreo comments came and you think you white. And Mm -hmm. I mean, getting teased for my hair being long, which, and I tell that story, like I pause now saying it because I've told that story to like so many people and they're like, wait, people tease you because your hair was long. I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was like black people don't have long hair. And it was like, mom, please cut my hair. My mom's like, have you lost your mind? Hair is a woman's glory. (laughs) Right. So with that, with me, I was just like, man, I don't know how to not talk like I talk. Because even though I lived in Dallas, I never really had like a drawl type of deal because my dad is a stickler for, you know, diction and enunciation of words and things of the sort. So I feel as a younger child, I embraced it. I think it was somewhere around my teenage years where I just felt it was 
almost like a disconnect. And I noticed that, okay, if I adapt, because child, y'all can hear it now. My NOLA accent is here, right? <laughs> but I noticed, I was like, dude, if I stop being so hard on myself to enunciate as I was raised, and I kind of let myself slide into it, I noticed I got a different response from people. And I was like, oh, I want to be accepted. So that's kind of like how Danny was saying. It's like I started that whole dichotomy to where it was instant, to where it became second nature, to where who's around is just like, hi, mm -hmm. nice to meet you, pleasure. Oh my gosh, yes, wonderful. So like, girl, I know you lying. Who? well, I'm about to go make <laughs> these groceries, baby. First of all, out. one thing about it, two things for sure, baby. Hello, who? not me, you, I, no ma'am, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it became a thing, but it's like growing up as an adult now, it's like, I see that issue. And the thing that blesses my heart is that something that my son, who speaks eloquently, mom brag, that's something he never deals with. Like, I, I've asked him that before. And he's like, no. He was like, I had a couple people say like, dog, why you talk so proper? But he's never had someone say like, you're acting white or you talk white. So I think that's one progression for their generation. But I know for hours, dude, it's so prevalent. And those same little kids are adults now. Right. Hence why we have those issues. Right. Right. And good observation. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of looking at it to, to be, you're fighting to be accepted everywhere. Got you're it. not just trying to assimilate with the majority of the population. We're also trying to assimilate with ours. Mm -hmm. And it's like, right. where does it end? Where do the black, the black woman, right? The, the female when you look at it, we are one of the most poorly treated mm -hmm. races, genders. If you look at numbers, domestic violence counts, obviously I'm going to bring that up. The most, the, the biggest threat to us as a black female is another black man. Is another yep. black man. That is terrifying. Unfortunately, yeah. Right. But no yeah. one wants to talk about it. So we're not only trying to be seen and heard on the the platform with the majority within population and culture we're fighting for safety in our own homes mm -hmm. so i go back to the question again why is everyone majority of the people so threatened by the power by by the presence of black females I think you just gave the answer when you said by the power. Mm. Everybody knows without even speaking it, how powerful and how resilient and how strong and courageous black women are. Imagine, and also everybody knows that there's strength in numbers. Right. Imagine getting that amount of beautiful, bold, courageous, resilient, intelligent. Black women are some of the most intelligent beings in this nation. Imagine getting us all together. Mm -hmm. Do you know what type of force Absolutely. we would be? They're afraid. They're afraid of the power of the Black woman. And that's why we get the backlash we get. That's why we get the treatment we get. And that's why we don't get the support that we so desperately need. Right. Absolutely. So much has been done to try to try to break the black woman. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when we go back, looking back in history from 
childbirth without, you know, meds and just different things that's been done to us to break us. Mm-hmm. And still yet we stand. And, and you're right. There's so much strength in numbers, so much strength in representation when we come, when we come together and stop fighting each other and come together. There's a lot of strength there. And I'm glad Definitely. you brought the medical piece up because there are studies, actual <laughs> studies, peer-reviewed, empir- empirical data, studies and research. Black women do not get treated the same when it comes to medical treatment. Mm-mm. They think that we can handle, we can endure the pain. We don't get the We're same medication. Up. We don't get the same amount right. of medication. We wait longer for services. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not even offered medical procedures that many other people are offered. Mm-hmm. And even talking about that is making me mad. It hurts. Yeah. yeah. And the first option, hysterectomy, hysterectomy, hysterectomy. Oh my word. They want us to stop. You want us to stop. Absolutely. They more. don't want you to reproduce. <laughs> no, no more reproduce. You, you're going to produce more yeah. of you? Absolutely yes. not. Yes. Yeah. And even just yeah. hearing that makes my, gives me goosebumps. Yeah, me too. I'm over here goosebumping. <laughs> Because right. this is our reality. Mm-hmm. Because our one of the reality. girls on um, my my staff at uh, our sanctuary, her name is Precious, and she does um, our grief group that's for uh, women who have lost uh, parental figures. And her mother died of uh, cancer some years back. And she was telling me about what she witnessed as a a child of her mother as a cancer patient and how doctors blatantly told her, like, she's like, you know, my mom's in pain. They're like, oh, she's just being a baby. And it's like, this woman's dying of cancer and saying she's in stage four, saying she's in pain and you're saying she's being a baby. And that's why she's so passionate about being an advocate for other women whose mothers are going through medical treatment and stuff and needing someone to speak up on your behalf because you think about it, you have a parental figure, your mother of all things, and you know she's ailing and you're caught up in the throes of that. You can't think clearly. You can't be logical. You know what I mean? You can't sit up here and pull a doctor outside and be like, look, first of all, sir, <laughs> right? But if you have someone that's standing up for you you know what I mean? That's advocating for you as you're going through this process. And I was like, man, I was like, that that's game changing because that's like with cancer and not because I know in Louisiana, um, we have a high rate of breast cancer here, but the highest rate of sufferers of breast cancer in the state of Louisiana are black women, you know, and a lot of it has to do with miseducation mm-hmm. and the countless cancer alleys that we have from all the refineries, but that's not the end of there. But it's just the fact that there's a lack of education, it's a fear, and it's the fact that people fear the doctor because when you go, you're treated that way. And right. on the other side, it's, you know, prenatal care and postnatal care, you know what I mean? It's horrendous. It's literally horrendous. And I, the thing I did want to say, though, is... <sighs> I feel a lot of times why we don't get the support that we need is because of like how Michelle was saying the tropes, right? It's like the tropes have become schemas. The schemas have become archetypes. You know what I'm saying? To where it's embedded in humanity to where it's almost, and I even hate to use this word, but we're being honest. That's why we're doing this, you know, right. right? It's almost like, the word of people's perception of black women is brutish. You know what I'm saying? Like in my personal experience, I had a boss where I was being assertive 
literally, like was not yelling, nothing. There was literally another person, thank God. There was a black male who worked with me that was in the office. It's when I was working in marketing. And she said something to me that was very insulting. And I was like, I would appreciate if you didn't speak to me that way. She started screaming. <laughs> oh, she's being aggressive. Mm -hmm. I feel threatened. And she literally runs out of the office screaming. The poor guy sitting there looking confused. Like, I, I, I don't understand. And so he's, he's like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like, she just said, don't speak to me. And she said, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, I know it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm aggressive, you know? And that's literally the story that was, told. was like, she's so aggressive. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to that whole archetype of being brutish. Or I've even seen, you know, guys react to women I've worked with before where, you know, they say something that's like, oh, don't hit me. Yep. Oh, don't. You know? And it's like, wow. Like this, <laughs> really? Like this is what we're doing? But these are all things that are pushed through, you know, through media. It's things that are being perpetuated and it falls into almost like self-fulfilling prophecy territory. Right. Because it's like when you have tropes like that, that you're continuously fighting against, it's like people treat you differently and you end up, you know, succumbing to it. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy biased almost. You know what I mean? My, so because because we are a solution focused crew, um, how do we address this? How do we get this topic conversating because here's the deal there's going to be people who's not who, who aren't going to like what we're saying of course there are going to be people who are going to complain there are going to be people who are saying but what about us you know we have problems too we are not trying to say other people don't have problems but from where i sit we are carrying a huge load of majority of them because we don't just have to fight and run faster than the man right we have to write run and fight and go faster than everybody, <laughs> everybody. How do we get our voices heard where it's not what Marlo said? It's not aggression. We're not being aggressive. We're just trying to be heard. And if every time we speak up, we're being dismissed because we're a threat, how do we get past that? Mm. I think it's what we're doing right here is, is step number one, have those tough conversations, um, express ourselves eloquently and, but also assertively, this is how we feel. This is what we're facing. You cannot eliminate or erase our truth. Um, and then now the question for me is how do we get other people to hear us other than li listen to us? Uh, mm -hmm. rather than hear us mm -hmm. um because we've been saying this now especially since this whole um black girls rock movement over the last mm -hmm. few years you yeah. know um we've been screaming it we've been saying it this community has grown of you know black women who feel the same way but it's still almost as though the people that need to know and hear us are not listening to us. So for me, that's the question. How do we get them to listen? Um, other other than being aggressive because then we're proving their point, essentially. Then that's something for them to throw in our faces. Like, 
see, I told you she was an angry black woman, right. you know? Exactly. Um, but it's almost as though speaking like this does not ruffle their feathers or it doesn't get their attention. So that that's really the question for me. And in all honesty, I don't know how other than constantly. Eventually, I guess, if we talk about it enough, they'll get tired of hearing us mm-hmm. and finally listen to us. But outside of that, I do not know. Yeah. I think it's the rise of the awkward black girl. No, that's me right here. Yeah, I'm awkward. (laughs) I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Me too. Like, that's why, like, I adore Issa Rae for, because I was a a number one fan of her web series on YouTube back in the G. But, like, because I was so happy to see that new archetype bought into the sphere of where, you know, your kid raised in the suburbs and, you know, you're in between two worlds, but there's so many of us that exist that, you know, like something needs to represent us in a sense or another. But I feel it's like there's amazing things black women are doing all over. But I feel it's like in this generation now, like, you know, social media and influencers, personalities, and the fact that people are showing more, I'm going to use air quotations here, using showing more authentic sides of themselves, even though ever slightly curated, you know what I'm saying? In the social media sphere and kind of seeing like, the back end of people's lives in so many words, I feel that that's something that helps because it introduces people to a new normal of saying that, you know, what it is that you thought that we were or, you know, what tropes it is that you thought that we fell into. It's like, there's different ones. You know what I mean? It's like you have super woo-woo Black women. You have, you know, highly intellectual Black women, you know? You have like super girly, whatever, like whatever, you know, stereotype you want to utilize. It's more or less giving people more insight into the gradients within black women. So that would be my hope. But that is me being very optimistic. (laughs) That is my hope. Right. And I agree with all of y'all, you know, what everyone is saying. I think we first need to start with with the sisterhood of ourselves, like Mm -hmm. as we are you know, presenting ourselves to everyone else outside of the African-American race, we have to start with the sisterhood of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We got so many of us as Black women who are misrepresenting ourselves in social media until it's becoming the norm. It's almost like if you're not um, looking this type of way or acting this type of way, you're not as important. You're not it. So it's, 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 it's like the woman that's educated, who's doing all these great things as what we all are doing right now. It's like, oh, whatever, they're boring. So I think it needs to start within the circle of the sisterhood of Black women itself. Mm. You know, we need to start here as we are projecting it out to other people. So right. I think the work needs to start here first. And Absolutely. like Danny said, we are powerful. Yeah. And that is what's scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, Beyonce was selling tickets for how much? And people Google. were buying them? You know what exactly. I'm saying? It's, right. And we really have to, like like Keisha said, start in the house. Start start in the house before we try to adjust what's going on outside. And that right. starts with that the Black Follow Train movement. Mm-hmm. That That's where, where things can start that way. And right. You know, people are going to talk and be mad, but we keep going. And I think that's what 
we have to do is keep going. We need the same medical treatment. Okay. We do hurt. Okay. Me asking for a raise is not being aggressive. Me enunciating words is not being, you talk like a white girl. Like we have to stop that because people feel judged and like, okay, well, if I can't be myself, then let me fit into one of these groups so I can belong. And as humans, we want to belong. It's part of the human experience. But who are we belonging to? That's the question. Amen to that. That's the question. So with that, we're going to wrap up our first episode of Unscripted, which this was very unscripted. And I know we're going to get some responses. I know we're going to get some people who are going to have some issues with what we talked about. But that's okay because you know what? That means you're talking. That means you're talking. And that's, and, if, and that's a start. If you think something we said was wrong, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Because I guarantee you, if you're not a black female, you do not know what we go through on a daily basis. What we do when we have to raise our kids, our sons, our daughters, what we have to hear, who we have to fight, literally and figuratively. Absolutely. We need so we need champions just as much as we champion for other people. Every advocacy group, every march, every walk, you will find one of us. But we don't get the same respect. And that's why we just have to I feel these conversations are needed. Amen so, to that. Definitely agree. As we wrap up, throw about all the ways everybody can find you all. Um because we want people to get to know us. Get to know us. Instead of pointing, instead of lurking, instead of judging, get to know us. We might be somebody completely different than what you ever thought. So tell us where to find you, Danny. Okay, you can follow me on Instagram at my survivor voice. That's my advocacy platform. Actually, it's my podcast platform that I'm transitioning into my advocacy platform as I wrap up podcasting. Um, and you can also please follow our um, my nonprofit at Our Three Inc. That's O U R the number three I N C on Instagram and Twitter. Just follow us. Keep up with what we're doing. We don't share a lot of um, client content, but we do share a lot of uh, important information, if you will. So make sure you follow that page and keep up with what's going on in the DV world. Your turn, Marlo. Oh, di- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I missed the cue, girl. What was the cue? What was the cue? Hello, y'all. It's Marlo. <laughs> so um, you can find me uh, at, you know, the little A sign. <laughs> the Woke Therapist everywhere. Uh, my website's thewoketherapist.com. I'm the Woke Therapist on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of all of the social medias, the interwebs and whatnot or whatever. Just Google the woke therapist and you'll find me. Keisha. Well, of course. You can find me at Relationship <laughs> Through the Looking Glass um podcast, as well as Change Women Break. I have a women empowerment group too. You can follow us on Instagram as well as Facebook. 
Um, also, Center of Hope Youth Advocacy. I'm also a licensed counselor. So you can follow us there too. So if you made it this far, thank you. Thank you. Um, and and we really hope that you join us for the next episodes that come up. And again, get to get to know us and, and listen to what we're talking about because we're not here to get under anybody's skin. But if we do, that means we're doing something right, right? Because conflict brings change. And one thing I'm not scared of is conflict. That doesn't make me an aggressive black female. That means I'm an advocate for change. So we got to start somewhere, right? So I hope you guys catch our next episode um, with Unscripted. Definitely follow us on um, the Instagram because we'll have little nuggets off and on throughout. Just little facts of how you can learn more about who we are and what we're doing. So again, if you made it this far, thanks. And we hope to see you at our next episode.